0: It is the 200 level, my carpenter in the basement studio on what is a very rainy Friday afternoon. Some winter weather is about to make its way in. We have a lot to talk about today, maybe less than we thought we did. To start off, the decision in the Terrence Shannon Temporary Restraining Order, TRO. I've been using that acronym far more than the actual words. It was deferred, and we'll probably hear about it next week. So we'll kind of shelve that until later in the episode, but any thoughts that you have on that, please put in the chat window. I know we have some people joining us. We, we thought this was going to be some kind of crazy ruling comes down slash Illini Michigan State extravaganza. But actually, you know, as we get to the Terrence Shannon stuff later, the deferral of that allows us to focus on the team right now. And that was a lot of fun last night. And I think a game where we can take many positives Going forward, and we'll get to all of that. If you were at the game, would love to hear what your experience was like there. I was there myself with my wife, Kara, who is a Michigan State alum, and she even said herself, and she's not as big of a fan. Of course, she would have liked Michigan State to win, but she afterwards said that was a really fun game. And I think objectively it was, despite it being, I guess, prototypically ugly a game where you had to really kind of scratch and claw for points at at certain times in that game. But the atmosphere I thought was terrific, at least from our vantage point, the atmosphere was great. The last 10 minutes specifically were frenetic and exciting, and every free throw that we shot was just the tension in there was great. And, you know, I, I left that game, and then last night when I'm just sitting at my kitchen counter having a nightcap and trying to unwind... I found myself overall just feeling a lot of gratitude that this program is back in a place where we are playing and winning big home games. As I texted Trevor and Isaac this morning, few things beat the morning after a big Illini basketball win feeling. And it's the kind of thing where despite being a little tired and slap happy today and the cloudy, rainy, gloomy weather didn't help with that. I was still kind of euphoric in a way. I was slap happy because of what I had seen last night. And it's the kind of happiness and just, oh yeah, we won that game. That you can kind of ride throughout the day. And really throughout the weekend until you play Maryland on Sunday. So the vibes were great last night. I think that this team overall is giving Alani fans something to really latch on to. Because they're a very likable bunch of guys, this group. And I think they've really handled... What has been, when I say adversity, that sounds like I'm painting them as victims, that I'm not. But they did lose a team member for at least an indefinite period of time. And we've seen them just say, okay, well, let's just keep playing ball. And they played some of their best ball all year when it counts the most. So easy to root for a bunch, tough bunch, pretty good bunch. And I would think that even without Taron Shannon, the way that this college basketball landscape is shaked out This, to me, looks and feels like a top 10 team, regardless of if that potential All-American is on the court. This team, it's working right now. It's working in a way that I haven't seen from an Illini team in a while. And yes, 2020-21, the COVID year, that was something special. I don't want to dismiss that just because of how it ended against Loyola. That team might objectively have been better and certainly more talented, at least in having some elite players. But until the mid to late February stretch run and really the last three, four weeks of the regular season in the Big Ten tournament, that team would have the occasional game or half where things were rather disjointed and they were still kind of figuring each other out. There's not much disjointed about this Illini team right now. And it seems like they're all pulling in the same direction and that's just been kind of a joy to watch. And a joy to watch this unfold. With the new wrinkle that, okay, they have to figure out how to do this without Terrence Shannon. So, before I get too far into this, got to remind you, the 200 Level is brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. Go online to dpdo.com, Stay inside. Stay warm this weekend. You can order a piping hot calzone. If you do, please tip the delivery driver, whether it's DP Doe or anywhere else, tip them generously for going out in the cold. But, hey, what better to celebrate a big Illini win than a delicious calzone from DP Doe? Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728. They're probably going to be busy this weekend. Furnaces, sometimes they get overtaxed and then you get service calls, but they are excellent at service calls, at furnace checks. And then before you know it, just try to think happy thoughts. We'll get back into air conditioning uh, checkup time because I know it's cold, but it's already mid-January, so we're going to be getting back to the warm temperature soon. Whatever your HVAC needs, though, Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, 217-841-4728. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. One thing that we have with him that I've mentioned before is a new app called Ting. It is a fire safety monitoring app that checks your electrical system for anything that might not be um, working properly, and it's really good peace of mind, Some just one of many features that you can get. By working with State Farm, and no better person to work with than Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent at BrianIsMyGuy.com. And finally, oh, well, I like this idea in the chat thread here. Finally, Owen Builders LLC online at OwenBuildersLLC.com. Luke and his staff, expert craftsmen, their customer service, second to none. And when you're working with contractors on things like home additions, patios, and decks, You want to be able to have that open line of communication. That is one thing they excel in, in an area where not all contractors do, understandably. But when it comes to your next project, give them a shot, and you can check out a gallery of their work online at owenbuildersllc.com. Also, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them and appreciate you, the listeners and the viewers. Okay, uh, from Kenton. Hey, Kenton. DP Doe needs to come out with a signature 200-level zone. Carp, what are the ingredients? Hmm. I think my signature calzone would be what my signature pizza toppings would be. So we're probably talking mozzarella. We're talking green pepper, onion, mushroom, and sausage. I don't know if that's already a calzone. And you can certainly make a custom one of DP dough. I'll talk to Steve. Maybe we can do a commemorative 200-level zone. That's a great idea. Kenton, smart fella. All right, let's talk about the game last night. First half, Illinois gets up by 10. There were moments where I thought, maybe we can blow the doors off of Michigan State. I know that might seem like wishful thinking, but I did think that this was a team that you could potentially rattle based on how off they'd been. But to Michigan State's credit, from really the five-minute mark of the first half through the 10-minute mark of the second half, they probably played their best 15 minutes of ball since Baylor. They were laser-focused. The defensive intensity was picking up. You saw A.J. Hogard slap the floor with energy. Even Kara was like, what's that about? I said, oh, they're into it now. Like they They are geared up. And that was, I thought, an impressive turnabout from Michigan State when early I wasn't really sure what the heck was going on with them. They looked good. I want to start with that because last night I don't think you beat a bad Michigan State team. I think you beat a good Michigan State team that's been inconsistent. But more importantly, you beat them when they gave you their absolute best shot. That was a Michigan State team with a fire under their butts that was playing with some desperation, and you absorbed some blows. And as I was texting with Trevor and Isaac last night, you threw counter punches. And you did so time after time after time. There was a weird moment in the game. We had gotten a text from a friend that was a little bit worrying about, a family member that that might have fallen ill. And so I get back from, maybe it's the 12-minute media timeout in the second half, maybe the 16. And I'm kind of thinking about that for a while because that was, you know, it it reprioritizes things when you get a scare like that. And I look up at the scoreboard and they had accidentally put the scores 50 to 42. So for a minute, it was an eight-point Michigan State lead. It was actually 48 to 42, which is their biggest lead of the game. And it's not at that point that I thought we were dead in the water, but at that point, I was as disengaged from the game as I had been for external and for external reasons, but also what looked like Michigan State really kind of taking the reins there. But you absorb that punch. And I need to kind of go individually here through the players that made an impact yesterday. And all these questions and thoughts in the chat thread, I will be getting to these. Coleman Hawkins, I want to start with. This is someone that I have criticized in years past. And early this year, like the first few games before he got hurt, criticized him for his histrionics. You know, when when you're winning, it's fine. When you aren't looking so great, it's like Coleman, stop complaining. You know, and maybe there were moments in the Purdue game that were like that. He has been excellent since he came back from injury. And last night, and really the last few games since Terrence has been out, there's been a lot of maturity from Coleman that I don't know was there before. This is someone that might not be your prototypical leader. You know, he's kind of an abrasive personality and kind of, I I mean this endearingly, kind of goofy, right? And yet he is supremely talented and he does things that a lot of basketball players cannot do. And that basketball IQ that we were talking about so much that it's weird how that kind of was juxtaposed with some odd decisions elsewhere on the court. That basketball, like he was really shining through, and he is playing within himself and he's kind of commanding respect. And, and you see that the teammates are kind of galvanizing around what Coleman's doing. His two threes in the second half were monstrous, monstrous threes. The roof was going to blow off that place, especially the second one, defensively, four blocks. Many more disruptions all over the place. He does everything. And right now he's doing everything well. So you don't have an All-American like a Terrence Shannon playing right now. That That is obvious. But Coleman is an excellent basketball player at the moment. And he is playing himself, I would assume, back into some NBA draft boards. Because there's very few that have that skill set. And now that he's making shots, I enjoyed listening to him. In the post-game press conference yesterday, we know he's a smart guy. Sometimes that probably could have been to his detriment, someone that overthought it. And he was asked, why was he making more threes? What did he attribute it to? And he said, I don't know. I think I, I just stopped caring. And I didn't take that as some sort of, ah, that's Coleman being Coleman. I think that was actually a genuine response, saying that I was thinking about it too much, and now I'm just playing. And now that you have this smart guy that's maybe releasing himself of some of that overthinking, you're getting the best product of Coleman Hawkins that you've gotten thus far. He has been fantastic. He, I think, by the end of the year, could have built up a pretty pretty cool legacy here at Illinois for someone that early on could drive you nuts a little bit, but keep this in mind. Already in his back pocket, he helped you win a Big Ten title. You don't beat Iowa at home in that amazing game, an all-time Illinois basketball classic, right? You don't beat them without Coleman playing lights out. I forget his stat sheet, but it was pretty impressive, and he was doing all the little things then too. That was foreshadowing what he could become. And, mind you, you might lose to Chattanooga if it's not for him blocking the potential game-winning shot. Coleman has already made impacts on this program. I'm excited to see him really leave a legacy as what looks to be the guy. Yeah, Marcus Damask, he's going to have games where he scores a lot. We'll get to Damask here in a bit but Coleman right now is the alpha and it's been really fun to watch him kind of grab that by the reins and I think very seamlessly continue to do that after Terrence went out so Coleman I I can't praise him enough for how good he's been since he came back from injury and for those that remember me last year I mean there were times where boy he could great he could really great at me and then uh, I've really turned around on Coleman I mean what can I say awesome stuff let me get some water here because my voice is definitely feeling definitely feeling the game last night. I let out a few just primal, yeah. Okay, Quincy Garrier, quiet night for him, but overall Mr. Reliable. You know, 10 points, but not by any means his best effort. I thought defensively he was fine, and rebounding he got you some as well. But but Quincy, here's the thing. In what was not a great night for him, he still got you basically 10-6, and six, right? That'll do. That'll do. Marcus Damask again, not a good night by his standards, but he guts out 15, and I think he had two points at halftime, so 13 in the second, made all of his clutch free throws. Coleman did as well. Free throw shooting, by the way, a strength of this team, go figure. But I was really, really impressed with how he kind of stuck with it, how he didn't get shaken by a bad first half, or I should almost say a non-existent first half offensively and he still got you some rebounds and assists so if that's an off night for Damascus, and it felt like it you're doing okay and he's he's got a very unique i said skill set earlier with coleman i don't want to be redundant here but in terms of his offensive game and what he does there's there's not many comps there was a really interesting conversation between jeremy Warner and Mike LaTulip earlier this week and they were trying to find one and they had a hell of a time finding a comp, and they said, I think LaTulip mentioned, like a slightly less athletic Johnny Davis. Someone that can back you down, even though he's a guard, and kind of post you up. And there might be something to that, but uh, overall, man, I I just gotta say, uh, let's see, sorry, just got an email there. I just gotta say that, uh, you know, Marcus Damask, overall, another solid game, unspectacular after two spectacular games, but it's Pretty encouraging that that seems to be the baseline now for what you could get from him. And his usage rate is going to continue to stay high because he needed to. So, nicely done by him. Luke Goody, maybe not his best night. He did get some rebounds. He missed a a crucial free throw that if you just make that, the game's over. Boy, was that scary. Because where Karen and I were sitting was the basket that Michigan State was shooting on the second half. So we see him miss it. Bird's eye view, right? We're basically right behind the basket. So it comes off and it doesn't look right. Michigan State comes down the other way. They get an open shot and miss it, rebound. 15 footer put back, but they needed three and not two. So whew, disaster averted. Not the best night for Luke Goody. And I want to get to something here from hmm, Mark McCoy. A puzzling question. How is Luke Goody only shooting 60% from the free throw line? I thought about this very thing this morning, Mark. To me, it's just because he doesn't get there very much. You could be a great pure shooter, but if you were not getting the reps, there's no guarantee that you're going to make him when you get there. Marcus Damask, Mr. Automatic from the line, but he's getting there rather consistently, so he continues to get those reps in game. Luke Goody's not. I saw that this year, I think he's... Okay, so it's 60%. Is it 6-for-10, or maybe it's 3-for-5? It's not many. Last year, I want to say it was 4-for-6. The year before that, it was 2-for-5. He doesn't get to the line. It's not in his game. And that was scary. <laughs> Disaster averted, but not the best game for Luke. I, I I also had a text from my friend Andrew, who did the Missouri podcast with us. And he, he knows his basketball pretty well. And and he made a comment, which I, I think there might be something to this. Ty Rogers finished with 20 minutes, and I'll get to Ty in a second. 20 minutes for Ty, 36 for Luke Goody. I understand why offensively you would make that choice. When Luke Goody is your fifth offensive option on the court, that's pretty good. That's a guy that can just kind of camp out, be open for a three, and that allows other guys to slash, try to draw their defenders in, and then kick it out, right? I get it, but I would argue the late in that game, You might want Ty Rogers in there. When you have a lead, you're trying to protect that lead, and you need some defensive stops. So that idea was posed to me by my friend Andrew, and I think that there is some truth to that. Okay, let's talk about Ty Rogers, can we? And chat window, let me know if you're with me on this. Is it weird to say I'm so proud of Ty? He is the easiest guy to root for. Early on, we knew that he would sort of embody all those things that immediately endear a player to fans. He is a tough kid. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife, does a little bit of everything. We get to know him as a player and he can't shoot. Well, that's a problem, right? And then the Purdue game reminds you oh my God, it's kind of important in the game of basketball to be able to shoot. But despite that rather glaring flaw, this kid is a gamer. And I had this weird thought and I wish I would have had the balls to tweet it. I really wish I would have. But Last Yesterday, I'm on a run after school, and I'm thinking about the game. I could not really stop thinking about the game all day. The anticipation was building. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it just be poetic if Ty Rogers comes out against the team that also heavily recruited him after the terrible game he had at Purdue where everyone's questioning, can it even work with Ty out there and just has a game? And he had a game, 15 points, attacking the rim. Not many rebounds, but hey, listen, he was... He was your offensive firepower early in the game yesterday, taking it to Maddie Sissoko, proving that if it's not seven foot four or seven foot five centers against him, he can in fact attack and get some buckets. Ty is a gamer. I freaking love that kid. If you said Carp, what jersey would you get? Not just because he's a sophomore and he'll be here longer, but I think it'd be Ty. Man, tough kid, tough as nails. I was so pumped early in that game when he was taken into the room. That one monster dunk. Oh man. Uh, So is it weird to say I'm proud of a guy I've never met, a kid I've never met? I am with Ty. Absolutely love it. That's the kind of stuff that gets the meatball fan thing going when you see an effort like that. This is from Clint. He says, very proud of Ty. His defense is what set him apart. True point guard or not, his defense is tremendous. It is, Clint. There were a couple, and apologies for my voice, which will probably crack every now and then because of what I all the yelling at the game last night. Defensively, there were a few times that he was getting lost in a screen yesterday. I will say, Michigan State's guards, they're fast. They come off the screens really well. Very crisp. Probably as crisp as they've been in some time last night. I mean, they they wanted it last night, which makes the win all the more impressive. But, yes, on the whole, Ty's defense is fantastic. And I think offensively, he gives you something, too. When he takes it to the rim like that, he already has his defender. Let's say he continues to get, what's the term, donked? What is it? Dorked? Blorked? Someone in the chat wanted to remind me, what, what do they call that thing where they basically just put the center on the point guard because he can't shoot? Whatever the term may be for that, what Ty can do is continue to attack, and we will see guys continue to cut and get some easy baskets. And yeah, that might clog up the lane a little bit, but you got enough big guys that can finish around the rim. I really envision him and Quincy, for example. You could probably do some two-man action down there where Ty is aggressive, he attacks, and then by getting to the hoop... Maybe Quincy's guy comes over to help, and then he can just do a quick little lob or something for an easy two over to Garrier. Just thinking out loud, I'm not exactly an X's and O's aficionado here. And it is, in fact, dorked. What a term. Not donked. Not donked. Dorked. Okay, this is from David. Hey, David, good to see you, bud. The total lack of a jumper definitely hinders the offense, but it was super impressive the way he uses speed to outplay MSU's scheme last night. The sneaky thing, David, you're right, is the speed of a Ty Rogers. We knew he was athletic. I don't know if that always equates to just pure speed, though, and really maybe not just speed, but quickness. You know, he does have a quick little first step with that dribble that's a little bit, uh, a little bit deceiving for a guy of his size and stature. I'm just really excited to watch him develop. I I thought before the Purdue game that he was getting better at a pretty high clip. And he seems like the kind of guy tailor-made to continue to improve over the year. And by year's end, you're like, whoa, he's really damn good. So I'm excited to to see what I think will be the progression from pretty good role player, which is what I think most people would assume he is right now based on his production so far, that transition from pretty good role player to, oh, he's really good, and I I think that could happen this year. I think it could happen in the course of this season. All right, uh, let me go and hey, Clint, I appreciate that, and thank you for the yeah. I'm he says love the setup. We're in the basement today because it's just too darn cold to be in the garage. I have a new garage setup which we kind of debuted for the Missouri game. I got to one, figure out how to get more Wi Fi out there, and two, let this polar vortex get out of the way. But that's my new spot. Smoke a cigar, have a drink, watch the game. That will be the site of some future 200 levels for sure. All right. I think I hit every player that I wanted to. Dane, I, you know, I feel for the guy. He had a five, I think, okay minutes. Oh, and thank you. Uh, before I get to. The next one. I'm glad, Kent, that you mentioned this name. I almost forgot him. Dane Danger, though. I think overall, the the one take or the one transition bucket he had remarkable body control. It was right at the basket that Karen and I were sitting at, and he was halfway under the basket when he put it up. But he does have such a good feel. I, on one hand, I hate that someone that p- clearly has pure talent and seemingly a really good attitude, given the circumstances. I feel for the kid that. He's He doesn't have a bigger role. I understand why he doesn't. And it will be an interesting decision in the offseason. It would be, I think, uh, hey coach, I got to go somewhere to get more playing time. And I, I hope that on this team, his impact is felt. And I know that there will be a game coming up where that happens. I Think about it this way. Two years ago, you don't win the Big Ten without Omar Payne helping you close out the game in Nebraska. Omar Payne. He he won that Big Ten ring for you. Every game matters. But you know Omar Payne having a Big Ten championship ring, he deserves that. He helped you get it. I think that Dane will have a moment like that. And there will be certain matchups where he can go big because they won't have anyone that can necessarily body up with them and you might need to just get some easy two-pointers for, for whatever reason. It's going to be a feeling-out process and it is a bit square peg round hole with what you want to do. But I like Dane and I, I feel for him a little bit. Kenton, I'm glad you mentioned Harmon. I love Justin Harmon. They put him on Tyson Walker for quite a bit down the stretch. For most of it. Small guard on small guard. I thought he was pesky. I know Tyson Walker might have been hobbled from an earlier injury, however mild that was. But I thought that Justin was great on both ends of the court. I know he only shot two for seven, but he did go four for four from the line. So he's reliable from the line as well. This is something I thought, and I texted Trevor and Isaac this. Sometimes a guy just has a look that he means business. To me, Justin Harmon, his face is like, I'm 22, 23. I've been playing basketball for a long time. I'm from Chicago. I'm here to play basketball. And there's just this business-like aspect to his game. The speed of this level of competition, he's already acclimated himself to it. He's a really good bench player. And I think, if need be, as Kenton mentions here in the thread... Should he start over Goody? I like Harmon off the bench. I think that you might start seeing those minutes start to get a little bit jumbled, though. You might start distributing them differently. I think that Harmon deservedly got plenty of minutes last night and will continue to get plenty of minutes. He'll have to because you're shorthanded. It'll be interesting, I guess, when a Niccolo Moretti comes back, which they anticipate that. Hansberry will be coming back as well. I think that will help you distribute the minutes load. But just in terms of his individual performance, love what Harmon's bringing. I like when he shoots threes. He's got a tight little compact shooting motion, and he also has the ability to get to the rim and draw the foul. That's so valuable. So I'm excited when he takes the court. I, I We already knew from like the Northwestern game, the guy can score 20 points. He can get you 20. So those games are there, and they could come at very opportune times. For example, Sunday, you might need an injection off the bench. I can, I can see the hangover game effect happening here against Maryland because that was an emotional win for Illinois last night. Today, I would imagine, was an emotional day for the five or six players that apparently went to Springfield uh, to be there for Terrence's hearing. So I could see a kind of eh, iffy start, get Justin out there, He's a guy that can pop a three, take it to the rim, and really get things going for you. All right. I want to hit up the chat thread here and make sure I get everything that y'all have been throwing in there. So if you haven't thrown something in the chat window yet, pop it in. Let's see here. For Mark, what a win last night. It was, Mark. I'm not going to rank it and say that was one of the best wins I've ever seen. But it was just your typical big matchup, high-level Big Ten basketball game you got to win that I think will look better and better as the year goes on. Michigan has Michigan State has an opportunity to win like seven in the next state. They really do. With the one game that they don't probably at Wisconsin, though that's four or five games from now, and I could see them figuring their stuff out by then. I thought they were close last night. They are talented. They are. And I'm excited for the rematch because we'll, Kara and I will be up there in Breslin on February 10th. From Anthony, we'll we'll get to the TSJ thing. All that travel to Springfield for nothing. I'll save the TSJ stuff for, for a bit. So I'll try to give that Anthony, Brick Girl. Okay, going to go down here from Alani Brickroll. Girl. Harmon played some great defense. I've been impressed with this upward trend game by game. Yes, and I think Alani Brickroll, it's just getting comfortable with the pace of it. It's higher level than he's probably accustomed to playing, but in the NIT last year, he had some really high production games against really good teams. Okay, so this is from... Kenton, interesting observation. We basically played six guys last night. Danger played five. Otherwise, the start, <laughs> starters and not harm in the whole way. I think depending on the matchup, you'll get DGL, Gibbs Lawhorn out there for five minutes a game. You'll get Dane out there for maybe closer to eight or ten. I, I think that Underwood felt like there was no margin for error last night, and he was right. There really wasn't. So, yeah, we got a game Sunday. We're probably going to be tired, but we got to win this one. And he threw all of his eggs into the basket of basically six guys and it worked out, fortunately. I had no problem with the way the minutes were distributed last night. I, I I get what Underwood was doing there. Okay, this is from David. Have thought Goody's defensive effort has gotten a whole lot better this season. Effort's definitely there and he's moving better laterally. Yeah, and maybe I'd have to take another look, David, at the end of game stuff with him defensively. I, I think... That was still a purposeful choice by Underwood. He wouldn't leave a defensive liability out there late in a game when you got to make stops. So it might just be that sometimes when another team is scoring and you're like, oh God, this is a super important possession and they get a, they get a bucket on that super important possession. It's like whoever you're keying on defensively, whoever you're really watching, you kind of blame it on them. I wonder if I was doing any of that last night and thinking, oh, come on, Luke, when in actuality he had a good game overall. I mean, the minutes would suggest that Underwood really trust him. Okay, this is from, interesting question here, from Anthony. Who do you think is the best constant player post-Terrence suspension? I think Coleman. I think Coleman's just been as reliable as they come. Yeah, Purdue wasn't a great game, but was it a great game for anybody? Other than Damask? Nah, I think Coleman's been your best, and I think he'll continue to be reliable because he's really embraced his role. And it's not a a diminished role, but I think he takes a lot of pride defensively. I mean, last night there was a tweet that he had. Someone suggested Defensive Player of the Year, and he's basically campaigning for himself, as he should. As he should. Let's see here from Andrew. I love that Damask, even when he doesn't have it going, doesn't force it, but still knows to be aggressive. 13 points in that second half was big. It was, Andrew. You know, even the first media timeout of the second half, I don't know if he scored in the first four minutes of the second half. I don't know if he got much in the next four minutes of the second half. It was backloaded. So he was patient. I was getting a little bit impatient, thinking, come on, man, like, you don't got to score 29, but give us something tonight. And he did. Again, not the prettiest, but I thought a gutsy effort overall. And you know he was; they were king on him. They were, and I thought what was a Hogard that defended him for quite a bit, who did a pretty good job of it as well. Hogard's got a pretty big body. Maybe not the tallest guy, but he's a big-bodied guy. All right, this is from Alani Brickroll. Harmon's effort on defense has been increasing game by game. I love watching him defensively, Brickroll. He, he's a scrappy guy. You know, he's not the biggest, but he tends to keep guys in front of him, and he's a little handsy. There was one moment on the baseline where he almost got a steal. I felt like last night from Dave completely random observation and not particular to this game, but when is the last time our shortest guy in rotation is six, four Harmon looks short, but has plenty of size to match up with most guards. Very true. And the size stands out to me. Most every game that we watch, I'm thinking, wow, we're big. <laughs> we're, we're a really big team. Uh, so it, that is something to note. Dave, he only looks small in comparison to the guys around him. All right. Alani Brickroll, for the first time in years, we're taking positive steps forward every game. I will admit the reason why I would say Brickroll, this season's been even more enjoyable top to bottom than it was three years ago or two years ago. So Iowa and Kofi or the Big Ten title year, top to bottom, front to back, it's been more enjoyable because basically from the jump, with a few exceptions, you have been getting better and you've been sound, you've been playing You know, cohesive basketball. So I would agree that for the first time in years, it might sound like, well, don't forget about the Big Ten title team and the team before that. Strictly from an enjoyment level, I've had more fun with this team than I've had with a team in a long time. I'm sure part of it coming in was my own skepticism of it. I mean, I'll own it. I thought that they were an NCAA tournament team, top four or five in the Big Ten, and that's pretty good. I did not think they were top 10. Terrence or not, I did not think they were top 10. I certainly would have thought if Terrence weren't playing that they'd be a bubble team, maybe. But then you see them play and realize that when Tyler Hainsborough is saying ridiculous garbage like that after the Purdue game, no, this team's not anywhere close to a bubble team. Even without Terrence, this is a legit top four seed in the NCAA tournament. That's impressive. So yes, brick Girl, I'm with you. And this is something to note as well from Brick Grill. Brad said everyone was sick this week, and DGL was probably not going to play. That gets to the, and I know coaches do this sometimes, but it, Brad wasn't harping too much. He can be a little bit hyperbolic, but he wasn't he wasn't hitting on the "oh we were sick" thing too much to the point of okay we get it we get it. Brad, no, that played a role. The rotation was short anyway. They were coming back from illness. He said they met maybe once this week for not even that hard of a practice because everyone was under the weather. There is the intangible quality of last night's win that I don't want to undersell. You got the best punch that you were going to get from a Michigan State team that was desperate. You were not playing your A game. Just You really had to labor last night in a way that you haven't recently. And it could be the physical illness that was sweeping the team. It could be the fact that some nights that's just what it is but even when you got down 6 in the second half and I thought oh boy i who's going to get our next bucket for us there were moments in the game where i'm like this is a little bit tenuous right now how are we going to pull ourselves out from this little hole here because it seems like michigan state is they brought it tonight and yet every single time we answered every single time we countered that's a tough team that's a good team i don't know if they're final four great I don't know if they're going to be able to win the Big Ten because guess what? Wisconsin, barf, probably will because they got an easy-ass schedule. And even a team like Ohio State at home can't find it in themselves to beat Wisconsin. And we only play them, by the way, at the Kohl Center. Yikes. But that's late in the year, so who knows? But I'm not really worried about Big Ten title. I'm enjoying this ride. Excuse me. (laughs) Voice crack. I'm enjoying this ride with this team. And it's it's just kind of refreshing. I've mentioned before that the Big Ten Championship year, there was an added element of weight on our shoulders for the way the previous season ended. You felt like you got screwed out of a regular season title. You got the Big Ten Tournament title, so you got a banner. You lay an egg in the second round. Boy, I hope we do something tangible. And that was really it. The next year, win something tangible. And they did. And it was so meaningful to get that regular season banner that losing to, was it Houston that year? Losing to them in the second round was not that much of a gut punch. It was like, hey, I think this team basically maxed out what they can do. That team got the most out of what they could. Last year, early on, yeah, it was. I was loose, carefree, having a good time, as we all were in November and then early December. Then Penn State happened. And boy, did the wheels come off pretty quick. But early on, I was ready to have that kind of ride. I was ready to sit back, enjoy these new pieces, just see what the heck happens, right? And that's what I've been able to do this year. Every season's different. You know, I could be an adult about it and be more mature, and not always have to set these certain expectations before a season. But I didn't set many before this season. I had a skepticism that this team is going to be great. I, I thought they'd be fine. I thought they'd be good. Objectively good, but not great. And yet here we are. And I'm having the time of my life watching these guys. Just, it's fun. And they're an easy group to uh, root for. I know this is like, Jesus, fanboy. Fanboy a little bit harder, why don't you? But that is how this team makes me feel. It's it's a lot of fun and there there's this really intangible neat kind of thing going on where you can't see chemistry necessarily, but you know when it's happening. You can't necessarily see something cool or special is brewing, but you kind of feel it. And that's what I'm kind of going off of here. Before I get to the Terrence Shannon stuff to close things out today. Maryland was going to do a second half pod, but some tickets came available. What the hell? I'm going to go. It's a home game. Go see the team. So that means the next post-game podcast we would do would be, or the second half podcast, would be for the Michigan game. Oh, boy. At Michigan next Thursday. I like that we get a few days off before that. Doug McDaniel, he has a road game suspension. You see, Michigan and Juwan, they can't do anything halfway normal, like giving... Their assistant coach, the head coaching duties because they're back in Philadelphia. Yeah, no one does that. Suspending a guy for road games only. No one does that. They can't do anything normal. They can't even win normally. They were up 12 or 10 points at halftime yesterday against Maryland. They get outscored by 20 in the second half. They suck. They suck so bad, and I love it, and I want Jawan there for the rest of the year. I want to beat him twice more and get a sorry ass out of Ann Arbor. Oh, and people would say, well, why why, do, why does he bother you so much? He's an inauthentic dope, okay? From the moment he set foot on that campus, he is trying to be something he's not. He's trying to be the soft, cuddly, bear type, and then on the other hand, he's punching people in the face and yelling at the strength coach. He's trying to embody all the, the attributes that they think of for a Michigan man, gag me with a spoon. But in actuality, this Michigan man can't run a program worth a damn, And he took something, I mean, talk about starting on third base, because that's what he started at after John Beeline left, and completely running that thing into the ground. I both love it, and yet still abhor the man. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but he has gotten, I don't understand people that would try to explain away the complete lack of professionalism this guy has. And the fact he's clearly not a good coach. And that he has wasted some talent, and now they just suck. They are quitting. Yes, for me, the seventh circle of hell would somehow be losing to them next Thursday. I don't anticipate that happening. It could. You never know. But my God, they stink, and I'm, I'm excited to lay, lay a beating on them. I mean, what? There's going to be 2,000, 3,000 people there. Michigan fans don't care. They won a national title in football. They're good. Juwan cannot win another game this year, and they'll probably fire him. But in the meantime, they aren't going to go there and waste any energy booing the guy or making signs that he should get fired. It's just going to be the most pathetic lame duck situation you've ever seen. All right, ran over about Juwan. Sorry. Maryland is a tricky matchup, I think, because as bad as they've been, you have the history with them, and it's the timing of it. It's that they did have a good second half against Michigan. And it's that you might have that hangover effect from the Michigan State game. And I might run that narrative into the ground a little bit. But overall, I think that this is a game where you want to be careful, but if you just execute, you'll get it done. And hopefully, they're just resting and recuperating today and tomorrow. Wake up, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed Sunday. Just go play a game. And keep in mind, Maryland played last night, too. And they have to travel. So I think in all, all in all, the energy level should be about the same. And just go out-execute them, out-shoot them. You should be able to do that and get a win and start stacking wins because you have an opportunity to do that with the schedule coming up. Okay, let's see here, everybody. I need to get some water here before the final stretch. Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon. We thought today was going to be news one way or the other, that they were going to either confirm or, what is it, confirm or deny? Well, the the restraining order that they were looking at, they were either going to uphold it or just throw it out and say, nope, there's no restraining order. I want to see if there was a story that was posted recently here. Okay, there is someone from Twitter named Mitch Gilfillan, Gilfillan? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, This guy has been following the Terrence Shannon Jr., case he is a lawyer and a lehigh men's basketball alum he's been following this case closely this is what he posted 47 minutes ago he says the decision on the petition for temporary restraining order and injunctive relief has been taken under advisement by the court for the non-legal folk this simply means the judge needs more time to review the motion submitted along with the case law cited by both parties Mind you, over 55 cases were cited in both parties' respective briefs, <clears throat> along with additional authority submitted today on behalf of TSJ. This is a logical step for the court to undertake, given the lightning pace of the case has been in the last 72 hours. I would anticipate a decision within seven days, perhaps sooner. Now, we won't get one Monday, right? <clears throat> Martin Luther King Day, sits so federal holiday. We'll see if we get one within the week, but there you go. And uh, Terrence, I believe, has a court appearance January 18th, in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm gonna see if I can't dig up an article here from maybe the Inquirer has posted one. Not national, but Illini Inquirer. We'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot here. Uh, meanwhile, as Alani Brickle mentions, this is true. This motion has bigger implications than just Terrence playing in the Illinois process. It does. It does have implications for all of college sports. Okay, Joey. Wagner posted this article 44 minutes ago. I'm going to read this in full after I get one more thing of water. I apologize, everybody. Okay. A federal judge did not issue an immediate ruling in Terrence Shannon Jr.'s motion for a temporary restraining order against the University of Illinois for his indefinite suspension immediately following his arrest last month for a rape charge in Kansas. U.S. District Judge Colleen Lawless said she will make a decision, quote, in an expedient manner, end quote, and will provide a written order after she looks over more case law. Quote, I'm not in a position to issue a ruling from the bench, end quote. That's Lawless, the judge. Lawless asked questions and had a dialogue with both Shannon's legal team and the University of Illinois' legal team for more than an hour. Shannon's legal team did not comment to reporters after the hearing. Shannon, who was suspended on December 28th, following a warrant for his arrest on December 27th, was in the courtroom in Springfield, though he did not speak. Several of his teammates showed up to support him as well, including Coleman Hawkins, Quincy Guerrier, Justin Harmon, Luke Goody, and Marcus Damask. All right, more here. Shannon's lawyers argued in its TRO complaint that the university suspending Shannon before the resolution of his legal case could impose irreparable harm on his future career prospects. Before his arrest and suspension, Shannon was considered no doubt All-American and likely first-round NBA draft pick but his criminal trial will likely not begin until after the college basketball season is finished. It may not be done until after the NBA draft on June 27th, excuse me, which the complaint states will greatly dissipate his ability to make money short-term off name, image, and likeness deals, and long-term with his value plummeting among NBA teams. Quote, he was punished as if he were guilty, end quote. That's Rob Lang, one of his attorneys. The University of Illinois, in a response submitted on Thursday, argued that Shannon's claim of irreparable harm is speculative and does not support an injunction and that the primary potential harm to Shannon is connected to his arrest for a felony rape charge, not the university's suspension of him. They also argued that Shannon's ability to play basketball at UI is not a legally protected right and he remains a student and remains on scholarship while his legal process is ongoing. Quote, this case is just starting and they want ultimate relief right away, an attorney representing the University of Illinois said in court. All right, so the rest of this is just talking about the incident. You already know all the details about that. So there you go. No resolution today. I mean, in a way, as a fan, I'm approaching it as I don't anticipate that he'll be back this year. Things would have to happen. I'm enjoying this team for what it is. And in terms of, well, what do you do if he does get reinstated or if this restraining order is granted? Do you change how you root or act. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Is it going to be weird? Is it going to be messy if it happens? Of course, of course it is. But I'll kind of get there when we get there again, thought this was going to be kind of a dual podcast, but in a way happy that we were able to focus on the team that we have and what they did last night and what they're doing as a team. That's making them so damn fun to watch. So I want to thank you all for laboring through my, my not so great voice after just a super fun night at the State Farm Center. So much fun. And I hope you had as much fun watching it, whether you were at the State Farm Center or watching it on TV. And Sunday is another opportunity. Keep stacking wins. You're already 3-1 and one in the conference. What is it, 13-3 and three overall? 12-3 and three overall, one of the two. You're, you're winning a lot of games here. And it's fun to, unlike um, some past seasons, not feel like you're riding a roller coaster, but you're just kind of riding this wave that's eventually, it's cresting further and further up. And giving us a lot of reasons to root for them and be encouraged by what they could do. So I'm having fun. I'm sure you are too. Before we get out of here, DP Doe, I'll talk to Steve and DP Doe about maybe getting a commemorative 200 level Calzone. Maybe we can do that in time for the tournament. That would be fun. DPDoe.com. Also, State Farm Agent Brian Hanson online at BrianismyGuy.com. Life, Auto, Home, Business Renters, you name it, Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well at BrianismyGuy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728 for all your heating and cooling needs. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com for home additions, decks, patios. Check out a gallery of their excellent work online at owenbuildersllc.com. Thank you, YouTube, for tuning in on a Friday afternoon. It's about happy hour time. Have a celebratory drink. Get your weekend started. we got a good basketball team. I'm still reveling in that victory myself, and we will see you probably Monday. I think we'll go with Monday after the Illinois-Maryland game and let the dust settle from that to have a true post-game reaction the following day. And in the meantime, have a great weekend, and for the love of God, bundle up. This cold crap is about to hit with force. So see you soon, everybody. I don't, I don't say Oski, Wow Wow, or Go Alani, but you know, I'm this team is getting the meatball fanboy really coming out in me, so that that might be coming down the pike soon enough. Take care, everybody, and see you soon. It is the two hundred level.